Howdy, folks, and welcome to the Hunting Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and uh, today we're connecting with Adam Buchanan. If you don't know Adam, he is the host of the First Generation Bowhunter Podcast. Um, he's a great guy, and frankly, I don't want to steal too much of his thunder because he has some great stories for us today. Um, so that being said, guys, uh, I'm going to put this here at the beginning again. Um, this is a, uh, a co-release, so Adam's releasing this episode on his podcast. So if, uh, if Adam's listeners are here, thank you guys for joining. Hope you enjoy the stories and check out some of our other episodes. Um, if you're a regular Hunting Stories podcast listener, then uh, find us on Instagram, share our podcast with some friends, and just spread the good word. Um, so that being said, guys, let's kick this thing off and now let Adam tell you a couple of his stories. Thank you. All right, Adam, welcome to the Hunting Stories podcast. How you doing, man? Uh, doing great. Thanks for uh, the invite. And I think it's a cool concept of what you've got going on here. It just seems like things that need to be shared. And so I, I love that you're kind of wrapping your arms around this. This is great. Yeah, man. Well, I, I haven't told you this yet, but uh, my my um, when I was brainstorming, how am I going to do this podcast? I wanted to yeah. make sure that I was doing as little talking as possible. So I just wanted to hear other people's stories. And that's my secret recipe is I shut up and let you do the heavy lifting. <laughs> so oh, um, man, th- thank you so much for coming on. We got another powerhouse from the state of Utah. It seems like Utah just seems to have a ton of great guys that have a ton of great hunting stories. So I'm um, excited to have you here, man. Why don't we kick this thing off with what's natural and just have you introduce yourself, tell the listeners kind of who they're hearing from and, and you know, a little bit about you. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, my name is Adam Buchanan and I actually grew up in Northern New Mexico. I was born in a little town called Farmington, New Mexico. And there I was just South of uh, Durango, Colorado, I had lots of access to the mountains, but I got, you know, I was never picked for sports teams. I was a total black sheep. I was kind of a loner and very at a young age, like ever since I could start driving, I started going to the mountains and go rock climbing, fishing, backpacking, whatever it was. So early on, I had this passion kind of brewing for the outdoors, but it wasn't because I was so enamored by a magazine. I want to go live that. It was because I was like ostracized. Like I did not fit in anywhere, even in my own family. You know, my brothers yeah. were big video gamers and they would never let me play. And so I just go in the backyard by <laughs> myself. And uh, so, yeah, the, the outdoors were kind of uh, like a sacred place for me because it kind of welcomed me with with open arms. And so and so that that's kind of how that evolved at a, at a young age. And um, yeah, and then, you know, got married, did all the college thing, moved around a ton and landed in Salt Lake. So we've been here for eight years and it truly is my favorite place. I, we, we lived yeah. in Portland, Oregon. Uh, we, we've done Denver. Um, every, every place we've lived, we've loved certain aspects of it, but we really are just, you know, we, we love it here. It's been, it's been awesome. Yeah. I love Salt Lake, man. Every time I've ever been there, it's just gorgeous. You got gorgeous mountains just right outside the city. I've heard something that there's like a, a, a smog or something that like rolls into the valley, but I've yeah. never seen it. So as long as I haven't seen it, it's still, you know, Salt Lake City's right there, top-notch place, man. I love it. It's rough. Yeah, that smog comes in. It's it's icky, but you know, most of the time it's it's just a beautiful place and so many things to explore. I'm still exploring it. I, I don't even feel like I've tapped into all the great things about it, but yeah, there's there's always something more. 
Cool, man. Cool. So you got into the outdoors early because your brothers wouldn't let you play video games. Basically. <laughs> That's a sad story. But did your uh, did your were your parents much into the outdoors? And and when did you pick up hunting? Yeah, um, you know, my dad got us skiing at a very young age. I was skiing since five, and so skiing was a big thing for us, and some camping and things. So my dad was was super outdoorsy. Um, and what's funny is he was a big hunter at a young age, and then but we never went hunting. He never really took me. And the first time he took me was like on a rifle hunt when I was like 25. And I just felt super out of place. Like I wasn't given any context and it was just kind of a, it was an okay experience. Um, but nothing was really passed down or taught to me. And I, I don't take it at any fault to my dad. It's just, I mean, youngest of six. I mean, there's a lot going on. So there's no judgments. It just is what it was. I mean, it was what it was. Yeah. And so uh, around age 30, you know, I'm working at Cabela's and in a corporate office in Denver. And I'm like, man, this place is cool. It's all about hunting. I mean, they really live and breathe. I mean, their team building exercises is going duck hunting in Nebraska. I mean, it's like get in the truck, let's go. I mean, it was a thing. And I was like, man, I, I need to get a bow. And a bow felt <laughs> natural because, uh, you know, a gun, not that I, I have guns, but I, just a bow felt a little bit more like, oh, we could go do this at lunch. You know, it felt a little bit more accessible. I can do it in my backyard kind of thing. I just like that idea of accessibility and not, yeah. oh, we got to go to the range and buy ammo and that whole thing. And so that's kind of where it started. And I got pretty good fast. You know, I was practicing and it's fun to kind of get those arrows where I want them to go and tweak things. And I was like, <laughs> all right. And then on top of that, my day job is at Cabela's. I'm running social media for a pretty massive company with 70 retail doors. And we're working with all these athletes. I mean, big athletes <laughs> in hunting. And I strike up a friendship with one and he says, Hey, come out on our private farm in Nebraska and let's go hunting. And I was like, oh my gosh, like these doors started to open. Um, but hunting in Colorado is very difficult. It's super difficult. And I really didn't actually hunt Colorado. And so moving to Utah was nice because there is a lot more public. And, uh, you know, if I was to look at my Utah hunting experience, yeah, I run into other hunters, but I don't feel like we're shoulder to shoulder. Like some people are like, oh my gosh, it's so crowded. I don't feel like that. And I don't necessarily feel like I'm going to these super exclusive places either. I, I'm just enjoying it. And maybe I'm just super yeah. naive, but <laughs> I'm, I'm getting animals each year and it's, you know, it's you, all man. good. Yeah. yeah I've only so, hunted in Colorado, but basically well, Colorado and Texas and uh, it's hard, it's hard hunting in Colorado. I, I've uh, just chalked it up to, I haven't figured it out yet and I'm going to keep pushing, but um, who knows? Maybe, maybe it's just the location. <laughs> I know. Well, figuring out like where public is and where you can go. I mean, that takes so much time. You just got to go out and drive. I've, I've spent full days yeah. driving, just running into private and trying to weave through. How do I get to the public? I mean, it's just time, right? It's just yep. time. Yeah, absolutely. Man. Cool. Well, that's a, that's interesting that, uh, your job, got you into hunting that's not not necessarily all that common to hear that usually it's a you know role model father figure whatever so that's pretty cool that um i mean how did you end up at cabela's just just randomly just yeah just got got the job and was that was it 
Yeah, you know, when I was wrapping up my college career, social media was really brand new. Facebook was like this brand new site and everyone's like, I think this is a thing. I mean, I was really at those front lines of where social was turning out to be kind of a big deal. And so out of college, I was doing consulting and contracting, writing for people's blogs and setting up Facebook pages. I mean, that, that's, I was getting paid 500 bucks a, a client. And this is yeah. just me going out and doing this. Like I wasn't, I, again, I was just like, you know, hustling and whatnot. Well, I networked into Columbia Sportswear and they offered me a job to come run their social media. And so we moved to Portland and really fun experience. I mean, oh my gosh, the events we got to do, bloggers and work with influencer. I mean, it was just an incredible work workplace. But then from there, Cabela's recruited me and brought me over and I ran social media for them for a couple of years and built up a big team. And so there was there was some groundwork there. I mean, there's there's a lot to fill in the blanks, but that's kind of essentially it. I've worked in the outdoor gotcha. industry for over 15 years, so that's that's kind of where it's where it's become. But in those early days, though, of bow hunting, I the way I put it and why I started this podcast, the first generation bow hunter, was I didn't feel like anybody could be accessible or approachable in a way. It was it was hard to like get information and one might think like, well, you got Google, you got YouTube. Well, I didn't know what <laughs> to put into the Googles to yeah. give me information back. I didn't know the questions to ask. And don't so know what I you don't know. Right. Right. You know, so I just spent many years failing. I mean, it was, it was, I had to learn everything in such a long formed, like, terrible way not in a terrible way i i enjoyed it obviously because i still do it but it i look back now and i'm like oh my gosh like i could have quit so many times honestly yeah yeah no i understand that i told you i'm a newer hunter and it felt to me like all of the material out there to help you kind of bridge the gap and become a great hunter skips steps that just seem to maybe yeah. the, those folks common sense but to you know brand new hunters it's like what i didn't even think about that like you don't know what you don't know um, so yeah. that makes sense, man. That makes sense. Well, let's do this. We're again, like I told you, we're going to go down rabbit holes. It's inevitable, but why don't we, why don't we, why don't we get into, uh, what we came here for? I know you said you had uh, a couple stories for us. Do you want to kind of set the stage for, for the first one and let us know, you know, who, what, where, why, how, whatever you think is important and let's jump into it. Yeah, totally. Awesome. I'm, I'm super pumped to get into some of these cause you know, <laughs> these really shaped where I'm at now and kind of where I got to be and just kind of kept me intrigued and excited. And so, uh, this first story, I, I had really had very little success. I was, um, not doing very well in bow hunting and it was like another season. And I was just like, I've got to make this happen. Like I, I've got all the money into the equipment. I've got the knowledge from friends now. And I, I've got the sense figured out in the wind and I'm like, come on, like this has got to happen. And I just wasn't seeing them. I wasn't getting into range. It was super, super difficult. And so this particular place I had kind of invested in, you know, I've been scouting it and that's one little sidebar here is one mistake I made was I kept changing spots, you know, and I'd go into all these different spots and I'm like, well, they're not here. Okay. New, new spot, new spot, new spot. And finally, I was like, I'm going to just go all in on one place and just pound the pavement like 
stop switching gears and it really paid off. And, and so what, I get uh, up, I'm ask what state this was, this was Utah. This is on the Wasatch okay. front. Yeah. Okay. And it's again, I'm very blessed to be where I'm at. I mean, I'm 20 minutes from a, a trailhead where I can get back into some places and, and go hunt. So awesome. yeah, it's pretty accessible, pretty cool. So I got kind of a late start. I, um, I, I figure it's like, well, better late than never. I might as well just get in there. And so I was hitting the trail around 8 a.m. And so shooting light probably started around 7. And so I'm, by by any hunter's definition, it's like, dude, that's so late. Like, you got to be, you know. <laughs> but I was like, you know, I'm going to go for it and see what happens. Well, I get up the trail. And it was kind of cool because I'm coming around these ridges. And I can kind of. Uh, glass into certain areas and see where they are. And then that helps me make a decision of what trail I'm going to go up. Well, this particular hunt, you can shoot a buck or a doe. And again, and I'm still this way. I don't care about antlers. I don't care about size. I just want to release an arrow and retrieve an animal. Like that's all I care about. And so I'm coming around this corner and I glass up probably five, 600 yards away. And I see this group of four does. And I am just like this moment and the sun is coming in, you know, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is going to happen today. And I don't know what it was. It was just like something was carrying me, lifted me up and was like, dude, it's going to happen today. And you know yeah. what though? You're going to make it happen. And I'm like, okay deep breath. I've got this. And I just had this such optimism, like flowing through my veins. I was like, quit crying about your last seasons. It's over. Like, let that stuff go today. I'm going to like put this opportunity in front of you. It's going to happen. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. So I get up into the area and I know right where to go. And that's the thing is when you invest in an area, you know what trees to go past, what trail to take, how to be quiet, how to be, you know. And so I just, I knew how to get in there. I mean, it was, you know, hours and hours of investment paid off. And so I got into this area and I'm kind of creeping through the trees and there's this big opening and I'm like, man, I'm not seeing them. This is crazy. Like, huh? Well, these turkeys start gobbling like super loud. (laughs) And I'm just like, sweet. I've got a turkey tag in my pocket too. Like this is like (laughs) Christmas. So I'm like, well, I'm going to shoot a turkey. Like I'm going to shoot something today. I just need to like, you just have that thing in your, your soul as a hunter where you're like, I'm going to bring something home to my family and we're going to eat it. And that's where I was at and still where I'm kind of at still. Even now, don't you feel that way as like a new hunter? You're just like, I want to provide. Oh yeah. No, I, uh, it's, it comes out in a very culinary way for me personally. Like I, I do most of the cooking for my family, but when it's store-bought, it's like, whatever, I'm just cooking Mm. food. But when I harvest something, I get out cookbooks, I do research, I cook things way outside of the norm that I'm like, if I were to look at that on a normal day without wild game, nope, no interest, too much work. But something about like providing that food, just like it inspires me, um, which actually has put a thought in my mind, which is maybe I should start gardening because then I'm kind of doing the same thing. Maybe I should take attack this from both edges or both ends because yeah. it absolutely insp- it inspires me um, to provide in that way to my family. So, 
Yeah. That being said, uh, I suck at hunting, so I'm, I don't do it very often. I've got like, uh, I'm good at turkey hunting. So you got me there. Nice. Yeah. We, we've been doing bees for the last nine years and oh, very cool. there is nothing like holding a jar of honey that you went in and harvested and processed and can share with family and friends. It's just, it's such a proud thing to share. It's, yeah. it's really cool. So, well, I, I'm into a really good spot and I'm hearing turkeys go nuts and they're about 80 yards away. Well, I've been practicing at very long distances and I felt very strong at long distances. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to walk in. I'm going to see if I can get in a little bit closer. And so I went from like deer mode to Turkey mode in like 0.5 seconds. <laughs> I was like, whatever, man, I'm going to make this happen. And it's, me. it's just, yeah. And you know, wife would love this. It'd be cool. And I need it. Right. I, like my soul needed success that day. And so I, I get in, I'm about 60 yards and I see them and there's a group, you know, six or eight of them. And I'm like, sweet, I'm getting a turkey. This is happening. And I'm, I'm also like still in those early stages where I'm shaking a lot and I just, I'm still immature in that way. And so I take a shot, miss, just total clean miss. And I was like, uh, freak. And they kind of run off. Well, these four doe that I'd been glassing are like, 30 yards away from me to the right in these group <laughs> of trees that I didn't even see. And I was, and so they come pouncing out and they're kind of, you know, piecing out like deer do. They're like, Oh, we don't like it here. There's loud noises and arrows flinging. So I was just like, ah, oh, shoot. You feel that, you know, that sickness of, I should have been more aware. I should have known they were behind those trees and I should have x-ray vision and read the minds of these animals. Like you start to feel like very inadequate and it's, I don't know, it's, it's a hard thing to, to deal with, but I quickly got over it and I was like, no, mm -mm, those deer are mine. I'm going in, like I'm going after it. And I went against everything that like, I think I had heard was like, oh, you got to be quiet and you got to this and you got to whatever. I'm like, no, I'm going in. I, I got my bow, got an arrow, and I'm just going to start walking and just go right where those does are going. And so I do, and it gets into this thick, terrible, thick scrub oak. I mean, it's like you can't even see these things. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm, I'm shooting something today. Like it's going to happen. <laughs> so I get in. It's really thick stuff. And all of a sudden, dude, this buck is like in there. I mean, he's like the homie and with all his ladies. And dude, he is like massive, like big trophy buck. And again, I don't care about antlers, but this guy is huge. And he's yeah. like, you can barely just kind of see his face through the trees. And he's just kind of like, oh, he knows. I mean, he knows what he's doing. And it's about 30 yards. I could get a range but there was no way I was going to release an arrow. I mean, there's too many things in the way. I mean, it was just glimpses of them. Right. But yeah. man, I just got so excited. I'm like, cause that was the first time I'd really even been that close to a buck. Most of the time I've done these hunts in Utah where you shoot either sex. And normally I'm like, I'm getting a doe. Well, I'm just like, okay, I'm not going to get the buck probably, but those does are mine. Like one of those does coming home with me. I just, I knew it. Like, ah, oh, it was just so odd how I was floating through the area. And so anyway, so I come around, I'm like, 
and this was now I'm in, in this new area I hadn't really been in before. And I was like in a new place and I didn't know really what I was doing, but I was like, whatever, I'm going in. So I come in and there's these little clearings, you know, 30 foot, 50 foot clearings. And I'm like, okay, if one of them walks across one of these. I'm golden. Like this is happening. So I'm bopping around and I'm kind of high. And so I drop down, I do this big horseshoe thing and I kind of start heading back to where I'd originally started. And I'm just like, all right, well, that was fun. Like when you have those interactions, <laughs> sometimes that itself is such fuel to keep you going. And I think I had Absolutely. enough of those early on where it was like, all right, I didn't shoot anything. I didn't get anything, but that was really cool. Like I want that again. And so I'm kind of like coming off the adrenaline rush. I'm kind of calming down. I still had an arrow loaded, but I was just kind of, kind of looking around and stuff. And I start walking and I look up the hill and there is this big fat doe, 40 yards, just staring down at me. And I just thought, <laughs> there's my chance. There it is. Like, this is happening. And, you know, got my range, 40 yards. And I'm just like, I just take this big, deep breath. And I was just like, I am going to kill this deer. That was the only thing in my head at that time. And I just, I don't even remember pulling back. I don't even remember half of my sequence. I just remember my body going into full freaking primal mode of just like, this deer is mine. Like my fam, my tribe back at home is going to be so proud of me because <laughs> I'm going to bring home this deer. And so I pull back and just perfect, just pew, perfect, like a uh, heart shot just dialed. And, but here's the problem when you're a new hunter, you don't know if you hit anything because like <laughs> a whole thwack and stuff. Everyone's like, Oh, the thwack, like the pumpkin gushy sound. Your, your mind's racing so much. You try to hear it, but again, I'm immature and I'm naive. I don't know what's happening, you know, but it felt good. And at 40 yeah. yards, I'm like, Oh, this is really a good distance. You know? Well, anyway, I get up there and I just like lose it. When I see all the blood, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I hit her. Oh my gosh. And I had hunted this area for so many times. Like I think probably three or four seasons just mm. wasn't happening. And so for me, it wasn't like, uh, yeah, it was interesting. Cause I had invested so much in this area. And so I just kind of felt like, Oh my gosh, I did it. Like I finally figured it out. And really it was, and I tell a lot of new hunters this, you have to go in there and get them. Don't stand like a spectator and be like, oh, well, they, they bumped, you know, they're, they're gone. It's like, no, get in there, get in there yeah. and, and give it a shot. Because honestly, that's how I've shot most of my animals. You know, maybe you do bump them, but if you go in there, there's ways to get around that and you know, bucks are a little bit harder. I mean, they're kind of like, peace, dude, I'm out. Like, I know what yeah. you are. Um, so you I'm looking at the, the, maybe, maybe if you did bump them, maybe they went 30 yards just out of sight and forgot about it. Maybe they never even saw you. Maybe they just heard something and felt funny and got out of it. Like you never know. So I, I like the advice, man. That's uh that's solid. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. Even if you miss, you know, like I've, I've shot at deer missed, they kind of bounce and they're kind of like, yeah, I didn't like that. And you just kind of keep going in. You know, even me, like I shot at those turkeys and missed and 
you know, still made an opportunity out of it. So I get up there, uh, amazingly found the arrow, which I, I have mixed results of finding my arrow. Sometimes I just don't even find it, you know, like it goes so far or sinks in the ground so much, or it's just odd. But, um, so I find the arrow and it's just totally bloody. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I got to say, man, there, there's an excitement of releasing an arrow and everyone has different points of what's exciting for me. It's the blood trail and it's the arrow. I just, I light up. I mean, it is a whole new level of, Oh my gosh. And I think what it is, it's in our DNA as, as humans of this means status. It means success. It means I can provide is when you see blood, it's like, this is, this is happening. It's a done deal. Yeah. And so the blood was incredible. I mean, that, I don't even remember what broadhead it was. It just ripped and it was a great shot. I mean, everything went to plan and she went about probably 50 to 60 yards. And I mean, the, the blood trail just took me right to her. I mean, it was just <laughs> blood everywhere, super textbook. And so I get down to her and I'm just like, Oh, okay. I gotta set my bow down. And I'm just like a total wreck, you know, and I'm excited. <laughs> I'm, I'm super excited, but I just remember to, to rewind back to the shot, I held it together and I took a breath. I didn't get excited and I just went full primal and was able to make it happen. Then when I found her, I got the video out, got my iPhone out, got excited. I'm, you know, I'm laughing. I'm crying. I, oh dude, I lost it. Cause it was all the such, emotions. Oh man. <laughs> it was, it was so many months of failure you know, yeah. riding up to that moment. And was that your first ever archery kill? No, it wasn't. No? Okay. Okay. Um, and, and that's, that's a fair question. Cause it probably sounds like it is. Um, but it, that means so much to me of how much time I'd put into that area. And yeah. I was like, I see them here. I know they're here. And I finally figured out. And since then I have figured out, you know, based a lot off that hunt, how to hunt those deer in that area of how they use the cover. And I've got probably six more of those instances that is very similar to that of, you know, getting into things and just yeah. really cool. So yeah, I got it, got it processed and just really, really felt like, um, just like, I could look at myself in the mirror and be like, I told you to stick with it and you did. And I'm glad you did, but it wasn't selfishly. It wasn't from anyone else. It really was me. Like I had put so much time and failure into this and that success came and there was just nothing better. I mean, I, I was a wreck on that video. I, I remember sharing it and I, like tagged Cameron Haynes because that's what you do. <laughs> and he like reshared it. And I just felt so cool. Like, oh my gosh, he reshared my story, you know? And um it was it, not that that means a whole lot. It was just kind of a funny nuance or whatnot. But um yeah. Yeah, man, that was that was a meaningful one for me. That's super cool, man. It's it's also cool. Like there's a lot of schools of thought of like visualize it and you were like no this is happening you 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 put you basically thought it into existence which um maybe i need to do that when i'm hunting more because <laughs> i'm i'm still on that learning curve portion but that's super that's a, that's an awesome story man yeah i i think another piece that was really key in that one too was i had actually started doing yoga 
because I felt like I would get into these instances. Now, leading up to that, I'd probably missed three or four times, you know, got in, got close, but I was a wreck. You know, I was just too excited and I just kept whiffing it, you know, and I just finally thought, I was like, how do I calm myself down? What, what am I doing here? And yoga was a, an incredible resource at that time. And it, it, I really do attribute it to yoga. Yoga, I cover that as my second episode of my podcast. I said, I was just going to say, <laughs> how does, how does yoga help in bow hunting? And I go into it because I like, I have to owe it. I have to pay dues to, to that incredible practice. So it's, it's funny. It's whatever, call, call me whatever. I don't care. I've been called everything, but like, you know, people ask me there and it was funny. I actually met a guy the other day and he saw my shirt and was like, Oh, I'm a bow hunter. And he went through his whole thing and it felt like I was talking to myself and he's like, Oh, I've been three seasons. I've got all the gear. I just can't get into it. You know, very common. And that's kind of my listener as someone who's just like, not click. It's not clicking. And I finally told him, I said, uh, about yoga, I told him that story and his girlfriend was right there. And she's like, she smacks him on the chest. She's like, I told you to do yoga. It would, <laughs> it would help calm you down. And I just, I, I was just laughing. It was great. So that's funny, man. I've done yoga in the past. I, like it's so hard. Like I, for me, I'm a big, very not flexible guy. And like, <laughs> I would much rather go do a CrossFit workout or hit the gym yeah. or whatever. Um, which it probably means like if it's as hard as I feel it is, it probably means I should be doing it. Like you should be doing the things that, that, that make you kind of grow. And, and that's what difficult things are for, but yeah, yeah I like it. One. My wife um, loves yoga. I need to join her, I guess. Yeah. It's worth giving a try and just like learning how to simmer down. I, I think is, is a big one. Um, I've got another one for you though, that I think is a little bit short of a story, but I think is actually pretty relevant of okay. getting in there. Uh, one was, uh, so getting an e-bike was kind of a fun advancement. My bow hunting experience, you can get around so quick on an e-bike. It just <laughs> feels awesome. And so I got an e-bike and so I'm buzzing around the mountain and I'm just like, dude, I'm just like five minutes is equated to like 35 minutes of, you know, walking or whatnot. So I'm buzzing around while well, I spot some deer about six, 700 yards away. I'm like, dude, I'm going after it. I'm going to get in there and I'm Mr. Go after it now, you know? And so I buzz down, I'm there in minutes and I start. I have to pass through this really thick, terrible scrub oak. I mean, bushwhack stuff brushing up against you, super loud. And I'm like, man, how am I going to do this? And I was like, whatever, I'm going after it. I'm go, I'm going after these deer. And so I got about um, 150 yards to cut the distance. And my plan was, uh, well, it ended up being about a hundred yards of scrub oak. I mean, thick, nasty. So I get in there and I'm starting to think like, what if I sounded like a deer? What if that's what they thought I was? And it just clicked in me. And it wasn't like, oh, I read a, an article about this, or I saw that on YouTube, like some other guy did. It's just like, there's something in our minds that happen in hunting where our intuition just takes over. And it's like, you know what to do. You don't have yeah. to Google this, like lean on your DNA. And, and that's what I felt like that happened. And so I had a grunt call with me thankfully. And so I'd walk about, you know, 10 yards and I'd grunt, do a deer grunt. And 
do it again. Do it. And I, I mean, I'm sure the cadence was totally terrible and I was probably doing it too loud, too, too fast, whatever. But I was like, yeah. I'm just going to do this. I'm going to see if I can get a shot. And sure enough, I break out of the scrub oak and there's these two does at the top of this little perch. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, it worked. <laughs> and <laughs> they're still here. <laughs> they're still here. And I, I do one more grunt and they're kind of like, okay, what's going on? And they kind of start to bop, but stay in line of sight with me. And they could have just crested and just pieced out, but they kind of dropped down. And so now this hill they were standing on is the backdrop. And I'm like, oh my gosh, 57 yards, totally inclined shot. And again, I just kind of went in that phrase. I'm like, I'm going to kill deer today. I'm going to kill this deer. And I pull it back and just perfect shot. And she actually ran uphill, which I didn't know what that meant at the time. But when animals run uphill, that usually means they're doing a little bit better than um, we think they are. Like they're not as gotcha. injured. But when they run downhill, that's a big sign that they are not doing well at all. And they're, they don't want to expend energy going up because they know they're struggling. Um, but what was crazy is she ran up and she didn't make it very far, maybe 80 yards. And mm -hmm. she was down. And I, I just, I just remember when that all happened, I was like, I was looking back on that massive ridge I was at, you know, seven, 800 yards away. And I was like, Man, just like 15 minutes ago, I was way up there, rode my bike down, <laughs> acted like a buck coming through the scrub oak. I mean, so much happened in such a short amount of time. You're just, you just have to sit sometimes and just take it all in. Like, what just happened? That was fun. Like, that was yeah. so cool. So that, that one lit me up too. I mean, that was where I was calling all my friends on the drive home from that. I'm like, you're not going to believe what I did, you know? That was cool. <laughs> That was a fun one. Let me ask you about the bike. When you, so you were 800 yards away, whatever, 700 yards. Were you on like trails busting down there? Or did you go off trail? Like, I don't, I don't know anything about e-bikes. Um, yeah. So e-bikes can kind of go off trail. Mine's a fat tire. And so it's pretty good. I mean, it's pretty all terrain, but it's better to be on a trail. And I, I was on a trail that particular area. They had just cut a, a trail into the mountain like okay. the season before. And it was kind of, a blessing and a curse, um, a curse in that now these runners and bikers and bird watchers are running up and down the trail and you're kind of like on the same trail, you know, sharing, yeah. sharing public land. And I don't mind sharing. That's not that at all. It's just hard when you've got a deer on your back and some cute little college student with her dog is walking down the same trail and the dog won't leave you alone <laughs> because it's after all the meat on your bag, which I had happen to me once. Um, so it's, you know, you just gotta be respectful. And that's one thing I've learned is yeah. like making sure people feel comfortable. You openly communicate and the bike I've tried to tone down a little bit. Um, because it is like, it's big and some people look at it. It almost looks like a dirt bike, you know? Yeah. And I just don't want to be that guy that's like, get out of my way. I, I have a bigger bike than you. You know, I just, I always set it to the side. I'll lock it up. I, you know, so it'll get me into places, but I like to walk in, you know, for that yeah. last close the distance. But yeah, it's interesting. It's a fun tool. I gotta say. I bet. I bet. I've, I've, uh, I've brainstormed about having one. I, my buddy and I have this one area that we've hunted for a couple of years and we always see elk. We always see mule deer, but we just haven't put it together yet. Um, 
part of the issue is it's a pain in the butt to get where mm-hmm. we go. Uh, it's like a thousand feet down, thousand feet up, mile and a half across. And we're like, how do we, how can we make this better? And, and e-bikes have jumped into our heads before. So you know, maybe, maybe we'll pull the trigger someday. The hard part is the regulations are coming out pretty heavy and, you know, normal mountain bike trails, you see a little sign start to come up and regulations of no e-bikes allowed or class ones allowed, but not class twos. And you got to know which bike you have. And that's, that's a little tricky, but I get it. It's, it's just hard because people think like, oh, the e-bikes are ruining the environment and the landscape, but I don't know. They're just like any other bike, really. They just go faster. And so maybe we're ruining it farther. Who knows? (laughs) Who knows? So that's out of my pay grade, right? <laughs> yeah, but it's fun. It's it's a good time. So yeah, well, I like that story, man. I like that. I, I actually like the little one you threw in at the end with the dog chasing you as you're carrying out the meat. <laughs> oh man, and and that's one thing I've had to learn how to do um, is is just like anticipate people, and that's the thing. In one of the areas I hunt, I can see people coming. A mile away, literally. I mean, I could see people coming a very far distance. And so I'm always like, and I, it's funny. I was, a, I don't know how to say this. I was an extrovert for most of my life. Very extroverted, like out there, center of attention. You know, in the last few years, I have become a total introvert to the point where if I don't want to interact with somebody or if I feel uncomfortable, I will literally add five minutes onto my walk and go a long detour. <laughs> like I'm at that, at that point, I don't know what that's called or midlife crisis or something, but I do that on the trail sometimes where if I've got my bow and my bike or whatever, yeah. I will get off the trail and I will literally hide. Cause I'm just like, I love hunting. <laughs> and I, I do. Cause I'm like, I love hunting in this area so much. I don't know if that lady's having dinner with the governor later tonight and is going to vote. I'm like, oh, I saw this guy who's wearing camo. We got to shut this area okay. down. All right. Well, at least you've thought about it a little bit rather than just being like, oh, another person I want to hide. My, so no, my wife and it's... I, we lived in, we live in Seattle for five years. And when we moved back from Seattle to Colorado and then to Texas, we're like, people are so nice here. All of a sudden people are talking to us again. And my wife's like, I know. And I don't want to talk to them. <laughs> Seattle rubbed <laughs> off on me. So oh, for man. Like a year or two, she was just she had that Pacific Northwest freeze where just people aren't friendly. Um, I thought you maybe got that from Portland for a second. No. And, 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 you know, to be honest to anybody I've ever run into, and I've run into a lot of people, they are super nice. I mean, even yeah. to the point where they'll stop and be like, Oh, did you see anything? Oh, how'd it go today? I mean, super nice. So I don't mean to say like, I'm surrounded by a bunch <laughs> of anti hunters or anything by that. Everyone's been super kind, but if I have the opportunity to kind of tone it down a little bit, I will absolutely tone it down to the point where yeah. I'll put my bow down. And, you know, I just, I, I am not about making statements. That is not the kind of hunter I want to be like, well, it's my land too. I have a tag to be here. It's like, no, I'm good. You, yeah. I'll just leave that to somebody the nature else. by yourself. Yeah. That makes sense, man. That makes <laughs> yeah, sense. So it's good times. Cool. Well, what else you got for us, Adam? Transitions are always a little funny going from story to story, but. I feel like you got, I see you looking at a list. What do we got? Oh man. The bear encounter. Okay. I'm not familiar. Let's let's set the stage. This one, uh, early on hadn't, let's see. No, I had shot a a deer before, but I pulled a limited elk tag 
And this is the highly most coveted tag in Utah. And mm -hmm. you can only pull it, I think, a minimum every five or six years. You have to have so many points. And so when I pulled it, you know, I'm telling everyone and they're like, you pulled, oh, that's a big deal. And I'm like, oh, is it? Is that, is that a big deal? <laughs> it's like, no, that's a very <laughs> big deal. That's a big, you know, tag. It's a killer unit. And so I'm like, oh, I'm getting excited. And so I'm putting a lot of arrows down range, doing a ton of practice. And well, I got to throw this in because this is part of the story. Four weeks before the hunt starts, um, someone breaks into my truck and steals my bow. Oh, no. <laughs> and it killed me because like when you look at a guy's bow, you don't see the hours that were put into the the arrows and the knock tuning you don't see the time that was put into the site and all the practice and everything they just look at it and they're like oh that'll be like 500 bucks at the pawn shop you know right and so it's infuriating that i lost all that work in in that setup and that setup was dialed i gotta say it was a killer killer setup <laughs> and so so four weeks to go, I freak out and thankfully had some friends pull through and got into a loner bow and had enough time to practice on it and uh, was able to, to take it out. So I get it out and I go out with my son twice, two weekends apart and, you know, and I'm introducing it to him and all this stuff. And he was just a little young. I want to say he was like, he was yeah. 10. Okay. Nine or 10. Yeah. yeah, my son's just, four right now, and I'm I'm mulling around the idea of taking him hunting, but not Western big game. It's a little yeah. different. I'm I'm thinking Texas blind, iPad snacks. Don't care if anything totally. comes by, just get him outdoors. Um, I love it. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. I I think that's great. You know, a little bit more controlled area. Elk hunting was hard because. I wanted to go. I was like, I know we have to hike to get there. And I've got this little boy who's, you know, carrying around, tripping over stumps, trying to keep his Kindle, you know, <laughs> uh, playing his Minecraft. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, you know, so it was, I kind of had to temper it down a little bit. Like, okay, I'm just gonna, you know, try to tone it down a little bit. Well, with that, we just didn't cover a whole lot of ground and I wasn't really getting into them. And I had never really been elk hunting in that way of like calling, hearing for bugles, all of that. I just, it was all new to me. And then I'm, I've got my son here and I'm, it was just a lot going on. I, I, yeah, I look back now and I'm like, I really should have gotten somebody with more experience to, Hey, will you go out with me? And, um, let's let's go out together and could i learn from you but uh so i go out with him two weekends in a row and the third one i had one more opportunity and i said hey can you stay home this time <laughs> like i gotta go like i need to just go explore and, and hit this a little bit harder and i think he was done he was like yeah it's not very fun anyway um so i get into the spot i'm sitting on a wallow and uh everything was perfect. It was a very silent day. It was very quiet. No one else was around. I was just kind of by myself and I just felt like, all right, I, I think I'm in a good place. Like everything's lining up. I've just got to wait for, you know, uh, elk to come in. And th this is what I've been told. This is the circumstance that you need to be in. So I get in and I'm sitting on the watering hole really early. Oh gosh, probably seven 30. 
and I'm just sitting there and I am still like no movement, no nothing. I am just like a statue. And so I'm <laughs> sitting there and I'm just like, yeah, this is going to happen. Like I am, I'm killing the silent game right now. Like I'm doing so well at my little job here. And so <laughs> I just, man, I, I sat there for hours hours and i'm looking down i've got it on my instagram i I should see what the time of day it was of of when that actually when the bear actually came in um i don't know if now it doesn't say but um it was like noon i'd been sitting there for like four or five hours just silent, no movement. I mean, I, I must've been cramping up. I think I was, I, I had to yeah. shake out cramps and stuff. And so I'm facing this wallow and I'm just like the, the, the elk's going to come in in front of me. That's just probably what's going to happen, you know? And so I start to hear something behind me and I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's coming in from behind <laughs> me. Oh my gosh. I wasn't prepared for this. Okay. That's all right. And you know, when you pull back an elastic band and you just pull, 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 and the farther you pull that back, the anticipation grows. And cause you know, that rubber band is going to go even farther in my little fifth grade brain. And so <laughs> this is so bad. Oh, so I'm waiting, I'm hearing this noise behind me and I just think of that rubber band pulling back and I'm like, I'm not going to turn around. I'm just going to hang on to the anticipation. This is going to be so amazing. And so I'm not going to turn around. I'm just going to wait until that elk (laughs) is just so close to me. And I'm just thinking about this and I'm like, oh, so stupid. Oh, I I don't know. I don't know how I could have ever doing that, but go continue. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) that's the thing. That's like what I tell this story. People are like, how did you not look? And And in part of my brain too, I'm thinking, well, I don't want to look because then I'll make noise and then I'll screw up the whole thing. So I'm like, just hold on, just hold on. This anticipation is just growing. Well, I get my bow ready and I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, man, that's getting close. Woo. That's, and it was about 15 yards and I flip around and I'm like, Oh my heavens. Like I'm sure all the blood in my face just completely drained out and there's no elk that is a black bear coming right towards me and i just stop and i'm like <gasps> and it like the little gen x in me is just like get your phone out let's get this on video <laughs> like that's what i think of like not like oh, that's the social media manager and you yeah right there, right? gosh oh it's just a sickness you know so pull my phone out and I did grab my gun. So I'm doing this like law and order, you know, crime scene type thing where I've got the gun under my arm and I'm holding the phone videotaping like a flashlight kind of ridiculousness. Oh gosh, this oh, it's just so silly. So silly. I'm going to just assume you did not have a bear tag on you that day. Did not have a bear tag. And uh, so I'm, I'm holding my gun and just thinking and, all right. I'll tell you what gun it was because I like you. Um, <laughs> it's my wife's 38 special lavender lady revolver. <laughs> oh, yeah. It says lavender lady etched on the side. Oh, yeah. That's terrible. It does, it does the job. Does the job. <laughs> Let's hope so. Let's hope so. 
Oh my gosh. So I'm sitting there. I got my lavender lady with me. I've got my, my iPhone out and I do have the video. It, I, I, um, actually it's one of my more recent posts. I just posted this on Instagram. And, um, so I'm just like in shock. Well, the beer, the, the bear sees me and is like, uh, kind of, you know, is like, Oh, I thought this was going to be like an easy meal. So he stops and kind of, you know, cuts across and still kind of that same like 20 yards, 15, 20 yards. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like this sucks. Like I do not want to deal with a bear right now. This is awful. And so anyway, I can't speak because for five hours I've been completely silent. And so I don't have a voice. I'm like, I got to say something, you know, like, uh, you know, and you can hear it on my video. I think I'm, I finally say like, <laughs> hey, 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 bear, hey, bear, go, go. Like, it was so just <laughs> jumbled, you know, it was just yeah. awful. I could barely make English. And so the bear is by this tree, this deadfall. And I'm just, and I have it on video. And all of a sudden it gets up on its hind legs and it starts waving its arms towards me. And I'm like, what does this mean? Like, oh <laughs> crap. And, you know, I'm still pretty far away. It's not like it's feet away, but it's, you know, 15, 20 yards. And I'm like, they run pretty fast. I mean, he could just pop into me like nothing. So he did that. And then I think that's when I actually spoke and I was like, hey, bear, like, you know, and then he bounced and he went and yeah. was gone. And this is going to sound, this is just shows my immaturity. Um, I'm sitting there with my little lavender lady and I'm like, I can shoot this bear right now. Like, I'm going to shoot this bear. I don't want to deal with a bear today. I don't want to deal with a bear attack. I'm all alone. This is the only self-defense I have. And I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to shoot this gun. It's going to scare all the elk away. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. So dumb. Like I, I could have done like a warning shot. I could have done something and i all i was still thinking of is well i've been quiet for five hours i'm gonna screw this all up no elk are gonna come now and so that was my my awesome bear encounter and boy i'll tell you one thing though that there's nothing that will make you feel more alive when you feel like you're about to be seriously dead and <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth and i and i loved that experience and i remember sitting there just reeling like just be like i can't believe that happened that was amazing like i was so grateful for the experience but totally freaked out in the same way and it's funny you yeah. can see on my little sunto tracker my heart rate jumps up and then it drops back down like you could see when the bear was interacting with me it was so funny on my heart rate but um yeah and never saw an elk never got into an elk that whole trip never really That's heard so funny and that was a tough hunt. That was a hard, hard hunt back in the UNS and nothing came of it. But I love that bear story. I, I cherish That's it. My wife one. doesn't, but I yeah, I bet. I bet. I got a story uh, that I'll share with you. I've, I've told this on the podcast before, but, I, but it, it just fits nicely with your story. So I'm going to tell yeah. it again. Um, but we're elk hunting. It's in this spot. It's maybe our, actually, no, it was my first year hunting this spot. So now I've hunted there a couple of years. And uh, my buddy comes in late the night before and he's like, hey, he drove from Washington to Colorado. So he's like, I'm, I'm tired. We're going to sleep in some breakfast tacos and we're just going to glass from camp. And my, my intent is basically where we're camping hunt West, 
but we can only see east so we would wake up we're eating, we're eating tacos we're wearing like sweatpants not even any of our gear just yeah. glass and east and we see elk so we charge over there that's the day before uh we, we have a pretty good day don't really have any real opportunities but the next day or the ne- that evening we're like okay well, what are we going to do today or tomorrow and, and we're like well it, it worked like let's just do it again like we can see a lot of country let's glass something up um so we're sitting there we're glassing and we're glassing and nothing's really happening and then all of a sudden we see a big black ball we're like what is that we can't quite place it. we realize it's just a massive black bear oh and uh and i have a black bear tag and again this is that same spot eight you know eight hundred thousand feet down thousand feet up a mile and a half and and we realize after scouting the whole area yesterday, looking for the elk that we spotted, that we know what trail he's on and we know exactly where he's going if he stays on that trail. And so they, oh. my, my two buddies look at me and they're like, do you want to get after him? And I'm like, well, yeah, I want to get after him. <laughs> of course I want to get after him. So let's go. So we just start charging oh. over there. We go as fast as we can over this terrible terrain. We get over there and I'm like, okay, I, I jump into this little ditch right next to the path that he's going to be on. And I'm like, this is where he's going to show up. I know it. I know this is where he's going to show up. And so I'm sitting there with my bow. And sadly to say, I do not have my lavender lady with me. I have no pistol, (laughs) no weapon whatsoever other than my bow. (laughs) But I'm sitting in this little ditch. um, And my buddies are all like, okay, we'll we'll position around. I don't know why we're all positioning all over the place. But one guy's down the hill. And and the other guy's across this sort of ravine from me. um, And I'm on the other side of the ravine, just on the other side of this little ditch. Get in there put an arrow in and I hear the bear and I'm like, Oh, he's here. And then I realized he's way closer than I thought. Um, I thought I'd be able to see him coming in. He's maybe 10 yards through salt, through solid brush. I can't see him, but I can hear him. And he's just like digging up stuff and he's making noise. And I'm like, Oh, how did I get into this situation? And I was just like, why? I like my gun is at camp. I'm like, why didn't I bring my gun? Why is it all that I have right now is a pointy stick and I'm 10 yards from a bear. Um, at this point in my hunting career, I'm like, whatever, black bear, it'll just run away. But at that day, I've never been so scared in my life. Oh. Um, and I just sit there silently being like, maybe he doesn't know I'm here. Maybe he'll walk around and I'll shoot him. We'll just hang tight. So I just hung tight and you know, it felt like seven hours. It was probably a minute. Um, he eventually smells me spooks. I just hear him tearing ass up this hillside, breaking limbs, just getting, he's gone. And I'm like, Holy crap. And I'm just like, I'm relieved out of my mind. I'm like, I'm so glad I didn't have to shoot that bear or even see it. Um, so I climb out of my little ravine or out of my little ditch next to the path, jump onto the path. And I look at my buddy and he's maybe 85, 90 yards across this, this like Valley. And there's a super steep hillside right behind him directly above him is a six by six elk. What? Like I'm talking as, as like it, you know, if you do the whole trajectory and all that, like, I don't know how far yeah. exactly, but if you were to just like look from directly above, I wouldn't be surprised if they were 20 feet apart. Like he just, the hill was super steep. He couldn't see the top of the hill. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to lob an arrow. First off at that point, I couldn't shoot that far comfortably. I had never even tried to shoot that far. Yeah. Let alone with my buddy being what's in between me and that elk. And so I'm like, I like jump back into my ravine. My, my buddy's like, where's the bear? And I'm like, like throwing my hands up, like making moose antlers with my hands and trying to point behind him. <laughs> and, and he's like trying to figure out, he's like, what are you doing? And he's like yelling at me. And I'm like, there's an elk. What oh you and eventually he figures it out. And he just like falls down flat and like lays on the ground. And just is like, I don't know what to do. 
elk goes up onto this knob and I'm like, it's trapped. Like my buddy's down below. You're right here. I was like, I'll run around. And we all basically surrounded this knob and never saw it again. I don't know what happened, but. Oh my gosh. But it was pretty, pretty funny. My buddy's like, he, he doesn't actually believe me that there's an elk there, but there was a nice, I mean, five by five, six by six. It was a nice, you know, <sighs> over the counter bull for Colorado, just right above him. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So did he have a tag? Like he could have shot did. it. Yeah, oh. he had a he had a he had an elk tag, but he did not have a bear tag. He had his bow in hand. He just was completely oblivious to the elk just watching over him. That's crazy. That yeah. um that reminds me of this last season, actually, when you're trying to make motions and show people where to go. I um <laughs> I was after some deer and um I got in real close and but I just couldn't see. It was kind of these these hills, you know, and they had kind of ducked in. But get this, man, this is nuts. Okay. And I hunt alone. I don't know if people can kind of pick up on that. I, I generally hunt alone. And so I'm a bit of a solo act and I I'm after these deer and I'm like, I swear they're in here, but I just couldn't place them. I was like, where did they go? All of a sudden I hear this clapping, like clapping and whistling. I look up on the ridge. I kid you not. It was probably... I don't know, 800,000 yards. Like I can barely hear it, but I see these two dudes standing up on the hill silhouetted and they are pointing like with all their hands, they're pointing of where I should go. I kid you not. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, I got to keep going. Cause I didn't know if I was close enough yet. Well, I go over two more little Hills. Sure enough. There they are. Take a shot. Boom amazing 60 yards just totally and and i look up and, and like i i take the shot you know and we can't talk right we don't have radios i don't even know these guys and so i take the shot it's a great shot and i i like raise my bow and i'm like shaking it towards them and they're just like fist pumping <laughs> and i it was just such a cool moment like shared and um got the animal and everything packed out and never saw those guys again. Like they didn't come down and see me or whatever. They were kind of, I mean, it was so far that it was like, why come down and congratulate? Like we had that already. And so it was kind of cool. It's, it's how do yeah. you communicate without radios? It's like all big moose antler hand movements. That's awesome though. That's so cool that they guided you in. So many guys would just be like, let's see what he does and then follow the follow whatever you spooked, you know. But yeah, the fact that they guided you in is that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty special. Um, it reminded me a little bit. Again, I'm not gonna I want to go too deep into this one because I want the listeners to go back and listen to this episode, but episode 14 mm -hmm. of my podcast with Michael Gabardi, he is uh in a goat hunt back in like the 80s. Um his Instagram tag is old guy hunting. Um, just, and he's got some classic stories, but he has a story where he basically is archery hunting this goat and he goes up and he gets above it and he shoots it. And then he realizes his whole camp is sitting there just sort of leaning against their RVs and they can all see him from a couple hundred yards away. And when he puts it down, just like eruption of cheers as he oh. drops this goat up in the mountains. So it's, um, a very cool story. I'm not doing it justice. Check out episode 14 to the listeners if you haven't That's already. Cool. But yeah, man, it's, it's, it's cool when you can do it in front of an audience, you know, you don't get that opportunity very often. Oh no, <laughs> not at all. Oh man. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I, man, I, Adam, I don't know yeah. if you got any other stories for us, man, but this is this has been fun, and uh, I've taken up plenty of your time already. So it's up to you if you want to tell any more or if we want to just sort of call it for now. No, I think those are some good ones. Those are some of my best, and I, I sure appreciate okay. the opportunity. I loved hearing about your stuff as well. That's super cool, <laughs> and I, I sure appreciate this. So for, for those listening, you're you're getting this episode on the First Generation Bowhunter podcast. You're also getting on Hunting Stories, so make sure to check out Hunting Stories and just – Go, go pick one. It looks like they're all good and uh, just <laughs> builds up that inspiration, I think. And especially if you are not getting into them, there, there's just nothing like a good story to feel like, okay, it can happen. You know, it, it can happen yeah. and it absolutely can. Yeah, absolutely. I, I will say not all of my episodes are good. I'm going to say one of them is bad, but the listeners have to go and find that one. And, <laughs> hey, there you go. Message me when you found it. Let me know which one you don't like. There you go. <laughs> um, but, uh, but for my listeners, Adam, why don't we tell them a little bit about your podcast? You mentioned it very briefly. Uh, first generation bow hunter, just give them, you know, where they can find you kind of w- what your shtick is or, you know, whatever you yeah. want to call it. And then we'll wrap this thing up, man. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram, Adam underscore Buchanan. So if you ever have questions or want to connect with me, that's the best way to connect with me there. Uh, the first generation bow hunter is, it's a black background with uh, red um, elk looking at you. First generation bow hunter is the logo, and you can find it on Stitcher, Apple, all all the podcast directories, uh, Spotify. I'm also on YouTube. I've got a few videos on YouTube. I'll be putting more out there uh, coming up soon. If you like seeing um, a, a guy from Utah taking an ice bath in his backyard, there's a few of those on my YouTube channel. <laughs> I do love my ice bath, but um. Yeah, I, uh, really the premise behind First Generation Bowhunter is just celebrating that, hey, we all have to start somewhere and we don't really know what we're doing sometimes and, and that's okay. But what I'm trying to do is kind of you know speed up that uh, learning curve a little bit more and kind of share some of the follies that I've had over the years to kind of say, hey, this is a question I had and this is how I came to it. And unfortunately it took me a long time. I am a worst case scenario of how to be a successful hunter in a short amount of time as a bow hunter. Uh, so I'm just trying to elevate, you know, a lot of those questions and have fun with it, bring on great guests and also just kind of do some solo episodes of just me kind of, you know, reminiscing a little bit and also doing some gear reviews answering a lot of those. I get a lot of questions on that. I also take uh, recordings so you can actually send me, a recording of a question i'll send you a link to it and your voice can actually be featured on one of my episodes so pretty cool very cool man so i'll make sure to put links to all of that stuff you know your podcast and your youtube and instagram on the show notes so if anyone wants to check them out there's an easy place to find them so adam thanks again man this was a lot of fun you have some fun stories uh you know i, I always like rec- uh, ending these sessions when my face hurts from smiling so it was a good one so <laughs> awesome. thanks again buddy Thanks so much. All right, guys, that's it. Another couple stories in the books. I want to thank Adam, of course, for coming on the podcast and also for sharing this episode on his podcast of the First Generation Bow Hunter. Um, if you guys aren't following him already, get out there, find him on Instagram, his webpage, YouTube. I've put links to everything in the show notes so it's easy to find. Uh, beyond that, if you're part of Adam's listeners and you're here for the first time check out the rest of our episodes we got a lot of great stories for you out there um, from all sorts of different hunters all over the country 
And then to everyone, share this podcast. Share it with one person. Get another hunter listening in on some of these stories. Who knows? Maybe they've heard an amazing story, and then they can reach out and be the next guest on the Hunting Stories podcast. So uh, that's it, guys. Thank you again to Adam. Thank you, of course, to all the listeners. Now, go out there and make some stories of your own. Thank you.